hello and welcome to episode 129 of Together BHA. Uh, my name is Josh, as always, and we are here to discuss Sheffield United. Shocking result, uh, but not surprising. I think I posted it yesterday on social media. Disappointed, but not surprised. Um, Albion continue to be shit against shit teams. Um, none of it is a huge shock to the system, I don't think, um, other than the fact that We'd done so well in the last couple of games that you kind of hoped that you would get a better result, but alas, it was not to be. Um, and, you know, when you're looking at the stats and looking at the game, um, it feels like yet another Groundhog Day. Um, 68% possession, you know, we we dominated the game. Uh, the, vast, the vast majority was in the middle third of the pitch, so we weren't, although it looked like we were passing around the back yesterday a lot, uh, statistically, that wasn't true. Um, the vast majority of our possession was in the middle third of the pitch. Um, of the of the 778 touches the team had yesterday, 339 of them were in the middle third. Um, it was, you know, it was a tale as old as time or as old as this entire season anyway. Um, and last season, really. Um, it was once again in the final third. We failed to make things count. Um, we had a... Superb pass percentage um, at 87% compared to their 68. Uh, you know, we pressed them well. We we stopped them from having the ball in our areas, dangerous areas, very well. Um, we had 12 corners to their two. Um, something that, you know, has to be addressed sooner or later. The, the sheer inability to create chances and score goals from corners uh, is just baffling to me. Um you know, we, we have Lewis Dunk, we have Adam Webster, we have, you know, some decent players. Danny Welbeck is supposed to be a tall man. Jacob Jakob Moda is a big guy. Uh, you know, we are so poor. Veltman is not is not small. Um, we are so poor at converting from those set pieces compared to the teams around us. Uh, it's it's out it's outrageous. Um, we outshot them by miles. 17 shots we had yesterday, uh, but but crucially only four of them were on target um, compared to Sheffield United who had seven shots all day and three of them were on target. You can see again that we're, we're struggling when you can't hit the mark, you can't score goals. Um, when you, when you look at the numbers, just the super basic ones here, you know, you think in a vacuum and this is, it's, you know, it's not like I need to keep telling you guys, you know, it, it looks like when you watch us do this, it looks like it's a one-time result, right? You think like, oh, Brighton can't possibly do that again and again and again. But we do keep doing it again and again and again. You know, this is not um, this is not the anomaly it looks like it should be. It's genuinely just a problem. Um, you know, it, this should be a one-off mental result that you look at and think, well, that was a one-off. But West Bromwich Albion twice, Palace twice, Sheffield United twice, Burnley twice. And and when you realise this, and, and, you know, most Albion fans are pretty much, I, I would like to think, patently aware, aware of this situation by now, um, you know, even the most stubborn of you all um, probably have to realise that, and it's a really tough home truth to come to, in my view, but I think, you know, if this isn't going to be the time you realize, then I'm not sure you ever will. But sometimes the personnel just aren't good enough to get the job done. Um, and 
while I understand that they can go to Chelsea and take a point, and that's a great result, never going to dispute that. You know, it was great. Um, the fact is you have to have, if you want a team that's going to be a top 10 team, which is what the Albion keeps saying they want to do, you've got to have the personnel that can get results against the top 10 and get results against the bottom 10. And when you have a team that can't do the job against a specific set of teams, subset of teams, that is, you know, we're, we're leaving potentially, uh, what, three, six, nine, 12, 15, 20 plus points on the table um, against these teams that are in and around us at the bottom of the league that we can't break down and beat. That 20 points is the difference, you know, a huge difference, really. Like you take you you take away, you know, you give us 15 points. Say that we were economical against West Brom and Sheffield United and, and teams like that and Burnley. And we converted some of those defeats into wins, which we should be winning those games. Uh, we're clearly showing we're good enough to win those games. So say that we do that and, you know, we had 15 points to the tally. That's what, 44, 49 points. We're sat in ninth place, two points above Leeds. That, that says exactly everything you need to know, in my opinion. And the fact is we're failing to do it. Um, and, and that is not, <laughs> not good at all. Um, you know, we're better than that. Um, we, we should be getting better results. We're, we're playing well enough to get the better results. We're seeing all the stats every week. Um, you know, but it's, it sometimes leaves me speechless. Um, I don't understand how we can't convert results when we have the players available to us, um, other than the fact that they're just not good enough. Uh, talking to the players, let's let's talk about some of the good and some of the bad that we saw yesterday from the from the Albion players on the pitch. Uh, first good is Kiedo. He's back. Uh, he played a game in Albion colours again, something many were convinced would never happen. Um, I kept the faith. Uh, 12 touches, one shot. It was on target from about 40 yards out as well. He scared the shit out of the keeper. Um, eight out of nine passes completed successfully. Uh, you know, he didn't have a great deal to do for that first, that nine-minute cameo. Um, but what he did, he did well. Um, I think most importantly, he does not look like he's lost it. Uh, a lot of people said that he he won't be able to run anymore, or he won't have any pace anymore, or he won't have the, the ability to cut in anymore. Um, there was a lot of thoughts going around that Izquierdo was basically a total crocked footballer who who was basically going to retire at the end of the season because he didn't have anything in the locker. Um, I think that was proven just in nine minutes yesterday. That's not accurate. Uh, it looks like he is very much uh, of the caliber he was prior what we don't know is just how much that burst of speed provides given the fact that he wasn't given much of a chance to do that yesterday uh you know we were playing very much in their half in their third for the majority of the game so that's a question that we we may never get the answer to um he's out of contract at the end of the year uh, i would love him to get another year given the fact that i've seen that he's perfectly capable of playing football again um he obviously has something to offer he was one of our better players uh, before he got injured that first time. You know, he he contributed some unbelievable goals. He contributed some great assists. He was a player that definitely, you know, had something to offer in ev almost every game. Um, so I would like to have him stay on for another year. I would hate for us to not um, and really, really miss out, especially if we have that option of extending him a year. 
Um, I feel like we would be very foolish not to do it. Um, especially when you think we've got players like Lucardia and, and it, Al, uh, Ali Reza and, you know, other players that have contributed next to nothing for years. Um, and, you know, it baffles me that we would not give him that chance to prove himself. Lalana yesterday I thought was very good. Uh, two shots, one on target. Um, he had a team high 17 presses yesterday. Uh, he had a whopping 96% pass accuracy. Uh, of the 56 attempted passes, 54 found their mark. Uh, I thought he did really well. Um, he also had a team high seven progressive passes. Uh, progressive passes count as anything that is 10 yards or more towards the opponent's goal that is not in our half. Um, I thought he did a really good job yesterday. Um, he got himself about the pitch. I think he had a couple of shots that were both shots I thought were pretty dangerous. Um, he was always the, it almost seemed he was quite often the the guy before the guy, um, similar to James Rodriguez. Uh, lately, whenever you watch Everton, he seems to do the same. Uh, he seems to be, for the Americans out there, it seems to be the hockey assist guy. Um, I thought he was very good yesterday. Uh, he, you know, he can clearly go 90 minutes. Um, when fit, he's a huge asset, clearly, um, because he showed it today. Uh, it's also worth noting he's had, you know, years off playing football. Um, so although he's going to be, you know, mid-30s next year, the fact that he hasn't played so many years probably makes him a viable continuation, right? Like he can probably play another season without breaking a sweat uh, at the level he's at simply because we haven't, um, he hasn't played football. Like he's had so much time off. Um it, it makes it so easy, right? Like, I think he can go ahead and play another season at a top level. Um, Veltman, I thought was very good yesterday. Uh, two tackles, one interception, two clears, uh, two clearances. Uh, I thought he slotted right in at left centre-back well again yesterday. Veltman is asked to do everything and he does everything well. Um, you know, I thought he did a good job. Um, Ali Reza Yambach, I gave him shit when he came on um, because he generally has been poor. Yesterday was very good. Um, he had plenty of touches of the ball. He looked hungry. Um, he created a ton of opportunities. Um, I, I just, I, I wish I, I wish I could understand, or I wish, and clearly Potter wishes he can understand, because if Potter did understand and he could change that, then this wouldn't be happening. But I wish I could understand how Jan can come on as a substitute like that and do so well and then start games and be so anonymous that he's brought off at halftime because he's that bad. Playing in the same position. I wish we could understand that riddle of Ali Razor because if you could solve it, he becomes the player he was in Holland. The fact is neither Hutton nor Potter have been able to solve it. Both of them are good man managers with two very different philosophies and neither can solve that riddle. I think that tells you that maybe the riddle is just not solvable because he's just not quite good enough for the level that we're at. Um, my man of the match yesterday uh, was a controversial one by the looks of social media. Um, Bisuma was my man of the match. Um, I saw him getting a fair bit of stick yesterday. People said he was just looked looked useless. Um, but for me, he looked like a man carrying the team on his shoulders in just about every single way. He he almost he had a captain's performance yesterday. 
Um, if you watched him at times at set pieces uh, and just in the middle of the field when we were marshalling the defense and stuff, you know, he was screaming across the pitch like a peak Stuart Pierce yesterday um, at his teammates demanding more. Uh, three tackles, one, which was first in the team. Two interceptions, which was first in the team. Three shots, albeit not dangerous ones, but he looked desperate to just push forward and create something. Uh, six shot creating actions, first in the team. Um, you know, only Lalana had a higher pass accuracy. Uh, Basuma had 96.1% pass accuracy yesterday. 49 out of 51 attempted passes found their mark. Um, he led the team by miles in successful dribbles. Um, he attempted nine dribbles and completed seven of them. Um, it's going to be, you know, he was just outrageous. He was so good. Um, I thought that he did just about everything you could ask him to do. Um, and he tried to do a lot, lot more. Um, just because it didn't work out, you know, I don't think he deserves the shit he got yesterday. I thought he did really well. Um, you know, it was it was one of those things that, I think we were all upset yesterday at the performance. And I think that he was unfortunate enough to get a bit of shit for it. Um, I'm not sure why, maybe because he's just that good that people expect better. Um, talking of the bad though, there's a fair bit of bad to talk about as well. Um, Webster, Adam Webster still looks well off it. Uh, he does not look fully game time fit. Um, he was at fault for the goal initially with the poor ball out. Um, you know, it was the defense was at sixes and sevens yesterday. It was shocking. Um, I was I was really surprised at how poor he was um, in almost every way. He he isn't he isn't pushing the ball out from defense, and he had numerous opportunities to do it. And those kind of famous Webster drives were not happening. Um, he doesn't look fully confident. He doesn't look fully comfortable, um, and that's a worry. Uh, I think he needs to do better. Um, and you know, he's going to have plenty of opportunities because we've got five games to go. So he's going to have plenty of time to get back into it. Um, and hopefully he does. I mean, it was a better performance than last time. Um, and we got away with a point away at Chelsea, but Webster looked really rough. Um, and, you know, today he looked, but yesterday he looked better, but not great. The front two uh, are the ones that take the majority of my ire, though. Mopai and Welbeck. Where do we start with Mopai and Welbeck? Honestly, let's start with Welbeck because honestly, I'd argue he was just as bad as Neil because at least Neil got in positions to be dangerous. Welbeck walked away with 0.4 XG and nothing to show for it. For a taller striker, which he was obviously, you know, he's in the side to be a taller striker. Um, he is totally ineffective in the air. Um, he got one small flick on from a corner that ended up with Moda's offside goal, um, but he was well offside. From the, from the clip that I'd seen. Um, we seem to have a talent for bringing in taller players that are poor in the air. Dan Byrne looking right at you. Um, I don't know how we seem to do it. We bring in big rangy players and they can't head the ball. Um, he had a poor 29 touches of the ball and played a full 90 minutes. In order to be clear about this, Neil Mopai had 45 touches of the ball yesterday. He was trying to get, he was involved in the game. He was trying to make things happen. Ali Reza Yahambach had 25 touches in 24 minutes of game time yesterday. Danny Welbeck had 29. Yesterday was one of those games, like I said earlier, that 
was a patent reminder that we aren't able to just be good enough to get the job done. He he was not good enough and he is not good enough. And would I mind him staying on as a Glenn Murray type tutor to the rest of them? No. But is he a, is he a player that I want to see playing any game next season as opposed to a substitute? No. Uh, Newell Mopai, however, takes the, takes the cake for the shocking misses. Um, Neil Mopai had a whopping 1.4 XG yesterday and nothing to show for it and not a penalty in sight. That XG was all real. None of it was penalty gained. It was just a massive 1.4 XG and not a single thing to show for it. That miss in front of goal. I know that I've been told by people defending him that it came a little bit too far behind him and it came across quickly. Uh, but that miss was appalling. If you are a considered a Premier League striker, you need to be tucking those chances away. And while I understand that he was in a tough position there and it did come in quickly. I understand that it came in quickly. Like I get it. It did. And I'm not going to argue with you that, you know, these things are coming in quickly and, and causing these players to have to think fast. But if you can't think fast and score goals, it's a problem. And it's not a one-time thing, is it? Neil Mopai has a 13.21 XG this year, according to Understat, and has two eight goals to show for it. It's not just a one-time thing. He's five goals behind the curve. That's not good enough. It simply must be better. You know? Like, it must be better. And to me, if you can't, then we either need to find out if you need a foil or if we need to just stop playing you all together. One way or another, we need to decide what, what that is um, because it can't go on like that. We can't keep going on that way. Um, it was piss poor, honestly. It was just not good enough. Um, sometimes, sometimes I think this is good to have, though games like this in a season like this because it reminds us just how much work needs to be done on this team in the summer if we are going to truly compete in an offensive format down the line like down the stretch we need at least in my opinion we need at least three offensive signings in the summer Paul Onoachu uh, the one HJW in the chat just said Andre Silva from Frank Frankfurt. That's another one. Uh, Yaram Chuk from uh, Ghent, I believe, as well as banging in the goals and looks a good striker. Ivan Tony, good striker. Uh, what about Johnson Clark Harris from Peterborough? He looks unbelievable. Tall, rangy striker, scoring goals for fun at League One. You know, would it be a risk? Yes. Would it be a risk if we signed all three? Probably not, because someone's going to get the job done, right? Like someone is going to get the job done. And to me, I'd say, why not? F it. What's the worst that could happen? Just sign them all. I I think we need three. I think we need three offensive signings this summer um, if we're going to truly compete. Unless, of course, we go down. If we go down then we'll be fine with one or two. 
because you'd imagine one or two players will leave. Uh, Leandro Trossard will probably be gone. Daniel Hobek will find another club to send down. Um, you know, these players will all leave. Uh, and I, I can't see Neil Mopai going anywhere, which is good, um, because I think it could be the best thing to ever happen to him, going going down to the championship and restarting his fire. Um, you know, I... I think one or two will be fine. I think you'd need a proven striker at that level. Um, I just don't know who it would be, uh, honestly. Um, it would be interesting to see what work we do if we go down. Um, I'm obviously even more intrigued to see how we're going to do if we stay up. Speaking of going down, um, we are now the only team to catch, really, for Fulham. Um, with five games to go, we are the only one. Uh, lagging behind the rest now after yesterday. Uh, Burnley just stuffed Wolves 4-0 um, to really send them home free. Uh, you know, that was a massive result for them today. Uh, it really helped their goal difference as well because they were pretty much identical to following goal difference. That minus four uh, has really, really helped them. Uh, Southampton, Newcastle and Burnley all sitting on 36 points now. Um, you know, I think that with those three teams, um, there's going to have to be an almighty meltdown uh, for them to not make it. Uh, I think that, you know, I can't imagine that we're going to see a meltdown at all here from these, any of these three. Um, we're the only team that they can really come after now. Uh, Newcastle have put together a couple of key results. Burnley have put together a couple of key results in the last five games with those wins against Everton uh, and against Wolves today. You know, they lost a couple in the middle against Manchester United and Newcastle, which looked a bit sketchy along with Southampton. But for the most part, they look fine. They've got that tactical noose to get out of it. You know, Sean Dyche is going to drag them kicking and screaming. The Albion, uh, you know, these last five are not comfortable for the Albion whatsoever. Um, you never know what's going to come out of the box with the, with this team. Uh, we have Leeds next week and Wolves the week after. Um, you know, if we fail to get a result from either of those two, we're in deep trouble, um, mainly because Fulham's next two are Chelsea and Burnley. Um, I did take a look at, you know, what we would need to have happen, right? And talking of five games to go, taking a look at five game streaks, right? What's what's the best ever five game streak from this season? Or the worst for the, for the Albion? Um, Fulham. Fulham's best ever five-game streak this year uh, was nine points from five games, which was in the middle of February. They played to decent sides as well. Those games, uh, which were those nine points, were uh, a draw against West Ham. They beat Everton. They drew with Burnley. They beat Sheffield United. And they drew with Palace. Um, that was their nine points. That was their best five games in a stretch by a mile. Assuming they can do that again, assuming they can hit nine points in a row again, that puts them on 36 points, which means we need two points to take anything from the rest of the season. Albion's worst five-game streak, because we've had some. <laughs> uh, our worst streak this season is two points from five games, which also was a disaster in February. Uh, to the beginning of March. Um, that one uh, was those defeats against, uh, well, we drew with Burnley, 1-1. Uh, we then drew with Villa, 0-0. Uh, and then we lost to Palace, West Brom and Leicester back to back to back. 
So there's your four, five. Um, and, you know, it was not great. I think Fulham do draw strength from the teams above them, fucking up, I reckon. Um, and we're offering them an opportunity to sneak back into the situation. Um, if anybody would like to dial in to the chat and talk about what they thought on the team, they are more than welcome to. Then you can jump in and chat about the Albion and what your thoughts were yesterday. Hi, Richie. Can you hear me? Hello. Hey, Richie. How are you? I'm good. Thanks yourself. Yeah, good. Thank you. How's it going? So I actually, I just, I, I thought I was just going to listen. I didn't know I was an active participant. Apologies. I just wanted to hear what your your thoughts were. <laughs> I didn't realize I was gate crashing. Oh no! Yeah. So so yeah. The idea is, if you wanted to jump in, it would be just to have your say, really, uh, and just chat about the game itself. So you are kind of uh, being thrown on the hot seat here. Uh, <laughs> what, what we're, you know, first, you know, Richie, uh, where where are you based, um, and and what were your thoughts on the result yesterday? Uh, so currently I'm living back home with my parents in Hertfordshire, um, looking to move to London next month or so. Uh, on the game itself, I mean, uh, you probably covered it. It would just felt like deja vu from every single time we play a team from, you know, who's below us in the league. It's just uh, a lack of ingenuity, a lack of creativity, just same old problems, really. Do you Do you think we're in any danger of going down? I've seen a lot of people online telling me to shut up because we're not in any danger whatsoever. But, and, and it's funny because everybody's like, oh, if you're a Brighton fan for a long time, like you'd know that like we're crap sometimes. And like, yes, that's why I'm still worried <laughs> because I've been a fan since, you know, 97, 96. I've seen us be crap. I, I know we're capable of pulling off awful things. <laughs> yeah. I, do, I mean, by nature, I think I'm a, a pessimist. Um, but, and yeah, I mean, yesterday was such a good opportunity, you know, to be to, to be 10 points clear with five games remaining. You know, that was, that for me, that would have been an insurmountable uh, total. Um, I mean, I still, I think the next two games are key. I really do think that we can pick up points against Leeds and Wolves. I think we've got a good record against them. Um, I think the game at Ellen Rojo this season showed that, you know, if Leeds kind of, as they... Um, did then just kind of throw everyone forward and we were able to pick them off. And as, as long as you beat your man, then you can attack them. But I think in, yeah, in recent times, these have been a bit more pragmatic as they showed against Liverpool and City and, and uh, Man United today. But um, I still think Brighton will be okay. But yeah, I, I definitely, I'm, I'm definitely not going to say shut up to you um, because I think there's, there's definitely reason to be a little bit, you know, squeaky bum time. I think with Leeds as well, I, I... I agree. Like they've shown a much more pragmatic side. They've gone and, you know, they've been willing to sit back against teams. I wonder if they'll show us that same respect. I'm not sure they will. And I think that could play into our hands. I think that's one of those, I think Leeds are at their core, still a Bielsa team and they're going to go out there and try and beat you badly if they can. <laughs> and I think against us, I think they're going to try and do it as opposed to, you know, playing one of those big sides where they're struggling, you know, those ex super league sides, uh, you're going to see them, you know, really, I think they're going to go out and try and get a good result against us. And I think that may end up playing into our hands. Wolves, like you said, like they got bashed by Burnley today. They have nothing to play for. (laughs) I think it's just, they have nothing to play for. And they've just not been the same side since Jimenez, whether it was a mental thing or genuinely he is that good. I'm not sure which one it is, 
but they've not been the same since he got hurt. Yeah, I was thinking, I was talking about this with my mates um, today, that I didn't, I always knew he was a really good player, but I didn't realise how much they relied on him. And I think maybe there's been like, you know, a percentage drop or two from maybe the others. They're not contributing as much. Because um, obviously this is, you know, within 12 months from when um, Wolves, you know, were a few games away from the Europa League final. And, you know, they, they played a crazy long season, but were still, you know, getting uh, great results and stuff like that. And um, so, yeah, uh, yeah, it's been bizarre from them. But um, yeah, I mean, the thing is, if we get one win and the results go against us, then we could potentially leapfrog Newcastle, Burnley and Southampton. And then it would just be like, what we're worrying about. So yeah, it's a strange one. Yeah, we are. We were, I still think, you know, I still think like you, I think we're one win away. Like I think, I think 36 points is the most Fulham are going to get. Um, and just looking at their best Who five next, you know? Yeah, they have Chelsea next. Um, oh, that's nice. <laughs> looking at their their best five game streak, I was just talking about before you dialed in. Their their best five game streak they've ever had in the Prem this year is nine points. That's their best streak from their from five consecutive games on the bounce. If we give them nine points from here, because uh, they do have Southampton, Burnley, and Newcastle to play. Um, say they beat all three of them and they lose to Chelsea and they have Manchester United as well. So say they lose to the two big teams. That's 36 points. We get a win. We're on 37 and we should be fine. Like, I don't I don't see them hitting that. Basically 38 with goal difference too. Yeah. Unless Man City stuff us. <laughs> yeah. One thing I want to ask was, um, uh, would you make any... So we've had a fairly... Obviously, um, there was a couple of changes, forced changes, because obviously Ben White missed, um, was suspended. Um, but, you know, in, in kind of, I think in December, Potter made six changes from one game to the next twice. Um, and then in kind of recent months, it's, it's been more of a settled side, um, you know, maybe changing in terms of having one striker up top or two or, or whatever. But would you, would you make any changes for Leeds? Would you keep, you know, um, because I personally didn't, I think yesterday was the first time where I really felt that Gross and Moda were not suited to being wingbacks, personally. I agree with you. Uh, I forgot to mention that actually earlier on. Pascal Gross stood out as being totally out of shape in terms of the position he was asked to play. I agree. Like He didn't look comfortable at all. This was a team that were very happy playing out wide and pushing out wide with McGoldrick and Bogle and players that are good at that kind of, you know, coming in from wide and causing problems. And Gross did not like that experience whatsoever. Um, Leeds have plenty of that too. Um, I Yeah, for me, I, you know, whether it's dropping Gross, uh, putting Veltman out wide on the right with White coming back in, you know, you can pretty much go back to the standard back five other than Moda being out left if you wanted to continue it. Um, you know, with Veltman out wide on the right and then Webster White and and Dunk in the middle and then Moda on the left or or even Burn if you wanted to go and risk it. Um, <laughs> it's a risk at all times, but he's the kind of player that is going to cause teams like Leeds problems because he's so unorthodox. Um, and, you know, Bielsa can only plan so much and I think that kind of player causes issues for that. Um, I would also... <laughs> See, I'm still not convinced on the Danny Welbeck train. I still just am not, you know, Mopai, like I said earlier, like at least he's getting in the positions to have a terrible XG. Mopai is, uh, Welbeck isn't even getting in them. 
Uh, yeah. Welbeck yesterday, you know, he had n- barely any touches of the ball. Ali Reza had more touches than Welbeck did. Like that's shocking. Wow. Welbeck had played a full ninety minutes. He he looked he looked like a Chris Hutton striker when we were playing against the Big Six team, where he just looked totally out of place and wasted. Um, McAllister, I'm surprised he got dropped. I, I you know I thought he played well. I wouldn't be sad if we got. You know, Welbeck and Gross out of the team, uh, and then maybe brought in McAllister um, and somebody else. I I thought Izquierdo was great, but is he ready for ninety minutes? Probably nowhere near. Maybe not ready for the rest of the season for ninety minutes. You know, coming back from an injury like that. What's Andone looking like? I don't know. Uh, would I rather have Zakiri play over Welbeck? Probably not, because I'm still not convinced by him either. Um, I feel like it's rocking a hard place up front and. <laughs> I've been wailing on it all morning, but like with the front group, I, I just don't think they're good enough. You know, what like what do you think up front wise? Do you think that would you like to see those same players up front again, Trossard, Welbeck, Mopai, or would you like to see some changes? Uh yeah, I mean it's just um it's not exactly an embarrassment of riches. Um it's yeah, it's it's I mean I, against Newcastle, this is obviously like, you know. Um, not a, a true reflection on you know the, the Premier League as a whole, but you know Welbeck and, and Mope looked pretty good against them, but obviously they were dire on that day. Um, but yeah, the problem is it's just like in answer to your first bit, Andoni. It looks like I mean he didn't play for the under twenty threes yesterday, which is not a great sign. Um, he, he did pulled a, up, didn't he? I think he pulled yes, up he, injured. Up. Yeah, yeah. He 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 lasted thirteen minutes earlier this month after a 10-month out with a knee injury, he had a hamstring issue. He came off after 13 minutes um, and oh, he did an Instagram post basically saying, like his frustration of, I'm training, but I'm with the physio, whereas the, everyone else is with the first team. So he's, I still think he's still a little bit of a way off. So I personally don't think, if he does get a game, he might come on as a sub in maybe the last couple, but I can't see him being on anytime soon. Um yeah, I mean, Zakiri went through a phase of like Potter bringing him on as a sub. Like, you know, he was pretty good against Southampton as a, a left wing back. Um, yeah. He brought he brought him on um, a couple of times just to do just to run. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, there's there's not like there's no like standout. Go, yes, I want him in um, because yeah, the, I mean, I think every single one is below their kind of xG. Um, and uh, yeah, it's just, I mean, it's just, that's the thing. I mean, just looking at the strikers there, people go, well, it's almost like they're just yearning for someone to do something different. So that's why they may be like harpy after Andoni. Cause I mean, he didn't have a particularly good record uh, for Brighton anyway. I think he scored like five goals in 30 odd games or something. Right. Um, so yeah, I'm not even sure who to go to, but at the moment it doesn't look, Great, but yeah. I mean, I guess the other one that we've not even talked about is Aaron Connolly. He's clearly back and fit and good to go after about eight different weird injuries that he got cracked rib, pulled die, sore calf, dead leg. Like it was a weird like group of injuries he got. Um I mean, he has the pace, he has the desire. It's his finishing, just like everybody else, that is a problem. Um yeah. would you maybe want to see him? in the starting lineup because just thinking about it I forgot all about him which maybe speaks volumes um but 
you know, I don't, I think we could do worse than bringing him on. I'd probably rather have him than Zakiri just because we know he is just so quick. Um, and that's something we lack for and leads, yep. especially, and not the fastest in the back, especially if they're playing Dallas further forward, who is really pretty much their standout in terms of that defensive area. Um, I wouldn't be sad to see Conley and Mopai start because I think Welbeck, you know, initially I thought you're starting him to gain some kind of aerial threat, but he clearly doesn't have much of an aerial threat. I think he won one header yesterday and that was the flick on for that offside goal. Um, And that was, you know, a a near post header from a corner that was a flick on that Mopai could do if he was asked to do it. And he's, you know, five foot nine or whatever. So it's, it is tough. It's tough. I don't envy Potter trying to find a way to score goals with this team with the personnel. Yeah, <laughs> I think I think with Connolly, um, yeah. So he's, I definitely, you know, he's he's very quick. He's he's good at kind of running in behind, threatening in defence, running off the shoulder type thing. His finishing obviously has a, a little bit to to be desired. Um, but yeah, I mean, yesterday it was bizarre because he he was almost playing it. Potter almost brought him on as a wing back, um, and then they kept pumping balls into the box to you know a fairly diminutive chap and you're thinking, you know, why are you, that's, you know, that's not his, he's a little lad, you know, there's no right. point peppering balls into the box, but I mean, I mean, I, I would actually, I don't know um, if this is, you know, an accurate thing or but I'm going to say anyway, like obviously when Brighton beat Leeds last time, Mope was the sole striker McAllister was and was fantastic in that game. He's a, it was a, um, I remember that if they remember that goal they scored against Leeds, it was just potable at its finest. It was just like Ben White broke from midfield, um, and then I think it was link up with Trossard and McAllister, and then they put it on a plate for Mope to tap in. But they did, you know, they they had success with one striker up top. So maybe if they if they if that's the blueprint to to go forward, then maybe that could be the way to go. Um, yeah, I think uh, in terms of Leeds, what was interesting is that the, the kind of um, they've definitely improved their defence as they've got um, Lorente is is done well, Cox now back, uh, but Calvin Phillips is very important for them in, in defensive midfield. Um, but yeah, I, I think if you if you can get someone like Conley uh, running at them, that's that's a potential thing because like yeah, Mope for me just doesn't. He, I think he's got good movement, but in terms of like running in behind, he's not going to challenge the defense. So, um, but yeah, it'll be, it'll be an interesting one because it Potter may, uh, he never really lets on if he's angry at players kind of thing. Like for example, against Wolves, when Dan Byrne was destroyed by, uh, Traore, which is no, you know, no, um, me, you know, it's hard to, <laughs> to do well against him, right. but he came out and yeah, cause he, I think he scored an own goal, conceded a, a penalty, yellow card did and was taken off and then Potter came out and sung his praises so he's not going to lambast his players openly but I wonder if because this performance was so bad would he maybe make some changes I hope so I hope so that's probably a good <laughs> a good way to leave off um because we've covered just about everything I can in about 45 minutes um Richie, thank you for coming on. I know you didn't expect us to talk so much, but <laughs> I was uh, just good. I was looking, you know, hey, I want to hear from you guys. <laughs> no, thank well, you for thank you for being a good sport and chatting. Um, I think that I think that we will see changes. I think we have to um, because there was just one or two players there that did not quite do what they were asked to do. Um, but other than that, yeah, uh, it's a long week after a defeat like that. There's no midweek uh, games either. Tell me about it. 
it's no midweek games like usual. Um, you know, we have what a couple of games on Monday or just the one on Monday. Um, yeah, Leicester Palace tomorrow, which is like eh, no one has anything much to play for. And then you get the massive games uh, on Saturday with us versus Leeds and then Chelsea versus Fulham right afterwards. So that is going to be a big one. Um, but other than that, I will I will let you go um, and I will I will finish the stream. So thank you for tuning in and, and we will uh, speak all next week. Have a good one. Cheers, mate. Take care. Thanks a lot. Thank Bye. you. Bye.